We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. What is baptism special today? Amen. We really are. We have a, another baptism at the end of service. A young man's on his way here. And uh, we may, if anybody else wants to be baptized, uh, there's water. Somebody asked me this week, they sent me a text message. They said, how, how, do, you, how do you baptize? They said, how, how do you baptize? And of course, the obvious answer is water, in water. But one of the questions they ask is, do you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or do you baptize in the name of Jesus? And our answer is yes. Right? If you're more concerned about how than the who, you miss the whole point of baptism. Right? So for those politically correct people, we say, just as Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is not working. I'm going to have to have some help here. Um, you guys got me tangled up. Just pull that thing off, and I'm going to use a handheld. Just pull it, rip it, break it. Okay, that worked. But I feel like I'm Britney Spears, this big old thing out here. Um, anyway, just as Jesus said, you'd go to Matthew 28, 19. He says, just Go forth baptizing them and teaching them, all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, go do that. That's his disciples' charge. One of the disciples' charge in Acts, they did it. And they went through in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 38, and saw it well as all throughout the first half of Acts, all the way up through I think Acts 19, they went through baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said, into the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have a disagreement with that, Really, you have a disagreement because we baptize into Christ, into Jesus, right? And I mean, we've had people go to war over this kind of stuff. How do you baptize? Is it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Well, who is the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? It's Jesus. Amen. Right? Amen. Are the Father and the Son one? Are the, is Jesus the Holy Spirit the one? Is Jesus not the Son? Yeah. <laughs> These are divisional points, but Jesus brought it all together. Right? The key is bringing it all together. I mean, we baptized so many people. One time I was at a church service. By the time we were finished baptized, we were baptized in the name of the Lord. <laughs> we were tired. Right? In the name of, I baptized a guy, I was so religious, I probably still am to some degree, but I'm, I'm working my way through it. I baptized a guy one time, he was about six foot four, big tall guy. And we were in the back of the baptism, in the area back there, and I was walking him through the baptismal going, hey, I want to make sure you know what you're doing here. And we, we, yeah, his wife was so excited, his family was all in the back of the, uh, the baptismal area, and they were so excited. We get out there in front of a thousand people, and I get down in the tank with him, and this guy's about six foot four. He's at least four inches taller than I am, maybe even taller. And I get in there, the music's playing, and he buckles. His knees buckle. So I get ready to baptize him, and I could tell he's panicked. And when I get ready to baptize him, I started taking him down, and he wasn't moving. He wasn't going. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. And I got ready to baptize him again. And he wasn't going to take him down again. He wasn't going. So I did what any good pastor would do. I kicked his legs out from underneath him. <laughs> True story. I can tell you his name, too. I can still remember like it was yesterday. And I said, in the name of the... They didn't know it. He knew it. I knew it. And his wife knew it. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And boom, his legs go down. Well, here's the problem, okay? The top of his head went down, his feet come straight up. <laughs> All right? 
So then I got to wondering, well, God, his feet was in when he came in, but I didn't get his feet. So by this time, he's coming up swinging. And I did what any good pastor would do. I raised my hands like he was worshiping the Lord. And he was moving those arms every which way, and I'm going, man, he's in the spirit. He was scared to death. We got outside of that tank, and we walked him out gracefully. We got outside in the back of the hallway, and he, I said, what happened? She said, I forgot to tell you, he's afraid of water. I said, that would have been something I needed to know on the front end. Like, and he, still, he was still dazed. And uh, I said, well, all I know to do, I got tickled because I said, all I need to know, know to do is to go in and we probably got to do this again. I don't know that that took. He said, no, I promise you, that took. It took the first time. <laughs> I said, good, I'm glad it did. But yeah, I've had, I've, pray, I've baptized them. The top of their head not go down. The top of their head still be dry. And I'm going, not under my watch. You're going down. Stacy, Stacy, you took Stacy down at the second prison, that tank right there. And boy, that was a moment. <clears throat> took three of us to put Stacy under the water. Ron, Ronnie did it. But yeah, we had to put him under the water. You're going down. And then we've had others. One guy was baptized one time, a friend of mine, and the guy reached up and grabbed the hold of the rail, the side of the baptismal, and he went down, and his arm didn't go down. So the pastor started, we're immersed, we're immersed here, right? He starts doing the water. And I'm going, that ain't working. So finally he's going, he's hitting his arm to break it free from. So you had a guy hitting his arm and another guy on the other outside trying to break it, his fingers free while he was holding the deadlock on that thing to get his arm underneath the wire, just in case it didn't take. Yeah. We should have a reality show for preachers and churches without editing. Hey, this is, this is life. It's real, right? Baptism is, is, is essential and critical. Do you know where the first baptism took place in the Bible? Genesis chapter 1. God himself baptized the earth. It was without form and void. And God baptized it in the water by separating the waters from heaven and the waters from the earth. Separated it. Put it right down. He immersed it. Right? First one. Then another baptism in the Bible was Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. Egypt representing the world system. God bringing them to the Red Sea. They went to the Red Sea, down into the, inside the Red Sea. The waters parted. They came up on the other side. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about Moses' baptism. It brought them up. When the enemy comes in the, 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 the Red Sea after them, after they had all walked across on dry ground, the enemy follows after him, ready to be baptized too. But his baptism was unto death, while Moses and the children of Israel's baptism was unto life. They came up on the other side, and the enemy stayed down. Pharaoh and his army died. That's a picture of baptism. Congratulations to Linda and Winston Short. Today is their one-year anniversary. We married her right in here. One year. Isn't that funny? One year. It's hard to believe. We, we uh, married him right in this place. We didn't even have it completely done, but boy, it was a beautiful ceremony, wasn't it? For two beautiful people. It really was. Back to baptism. <clears throat> Another baptism was when Joshua was bringing the children of Israel from the wilderness into the land that flows with milk and honey, the promised land, and the Jordan River parted, right? The first time in the Red Sea, Moses held his hand out with the, with the rod and the waters parted. The second baptism that Joshua had was one coming from the Jordan River, had to have the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, walking out in front of them so they could see. And as the feet of the priest of the, carrying the ark would cover, would go, the Jordan River would part. And as long as the people, the priests were in the water with the presence of God, the people could walk on dry ground. And they get to the other side, right? 
The first baptism of Moses is coming from the world system into the wilderness, right? That's a picture of water baptism. The second baptism is Joshua, which is where the same, we get the same word Jesus into salvation. Jesus baptizes us. Joshua baptized them and led them into baptism is like being baptized into the spirit, right? Baptized in the spirit. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Y'all need to know all this. This is important, okay? John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the water. Now, in the, those days, a lot of people were baptized bending over forward, right? Some were baptized going backward. It's not a style or a preference. It's the significance of what's taking place in the heart of a person, okay? Now, we don't, we don't believe in sprinkling here. We do full body, or full, full body and water immersion. In fact, we were, when we were in our journey, you guys saw some of it last week in the, on the video, we were at Second Presbyterian Church using their facility. They had their service at nine and we had ours at 11. And one day, uh, one Sunday morning, I felt moved on that we would baptize the next Sunday. And I, I said it before I even thought about it. I said, guys, we're gonna baptize have a baptismal service next Sunday. And then everybody was looking at me going, oh gosh, you know, because they, they, they sprinkle at that church. Well, we don't sprinkle. And so we had to figure out in seven days how we're gonna get a baptismal tank in there and how this is all gonna work. So they had two or three board meetings <laughs> that week trying to figure out, are we breaking, what are, we, what are they gonna do? And we didn't have a board meeting, we're just trying to figure out how to get a baptismal tank in there because we're baptizing people. So we get in the, the tank, and we're having it set up, it's ready to go. And we, that was one of the most moving baptismal services, like it was this morning, that meant people were just going crazy. I think, well, Stacy, was that there for you? Stacy, yeah, was baptized there. And it was just wild, the whole thing. And the pastor, good guy, good guy, he came up, and he grabbed a handful of water and sprinkled it on the whole congregation. He just went, I'm gonna, I gotta participate in this. So he did what he knew, right? Reaches in, puts a handful of water on his hand and begins to just sprinkle people with water. Well, we didn't care, because we'd already had Stacy in the tank, <laughs> right? It didn't matter to us, all right? People meet people where they are. The, the key is you don't ever wanna learn the, 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 the protocol and the, the, the form and never get the understanding and the power behind the form. Otherwise, you just become a robot and you never get the power of why you baptize, right? So I tell you that to say this. Many people, when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus comes back down to the water as he come back into the water, the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And when he did, the father, father said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. John baptized him under John's baptism. Up to that point, everybody was being baptized under John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism under repentance. But John said, there's coming one after me whose shoelaces I'm not even worthy to tie. I will baptize you in the water but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, okay? Now, over the course of time, we have, over the last couple of decades, in our quest to be really seeker-sensitive in church world, in our quest to attract people and to have a real positive message, we have polished the gospel, but we haven't powered the gospel, right? We want it palatable and then explain away why it doesn't work. I got news for you. And I just come here today to declare to you, not even a sermon. You better get ready for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life in this season. I'm not watering it down. I'm not gonna talk about it to hope it's palatable for you. 
I don't care if it even fits with your past denominational experience. I'm here to tell you, we're not here to draw a crowd. We're here to draw the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're going to love you, and we're going to love each other, and we're going to be in relationship. And I know some of you right now, because I've done it, I've brought people to church and they've been from a denominational background, and, 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 and they, they don't believe in certain things, and I brought them to church, and I'm probably committing pastoral suicide right now because I know we got baptismal, and there's some of you in here from other places. I, we appreciate it. I thank God for you being here and visitor, but I, I would be wrong, and I really wanted to preach something that was really going to be attractive for everybody today that would be just across the board, and everybody would go, wow, that was really good. And God said right back there in the back, he said, don't you dare water this thing down. So I stand here today not watering it down. There is a baptism that's beyond water that the body of Christ has to have. It is a power that comes from on high that can only be baptized not by man, but by Jesus himself. John the Baptist said, this is the one that can be, that, that I, can, I can't even tie his shoelaces are going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And we've done the Holy Spirit thing because it makes more sense because when you say Holy Ghost, that becomes Pentecostal, right? Or old-time Baptist, am I right? But Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, whatever makes, your, makes it palatable for you, the power of God has got to be released in the life of your, you and your kids. Otherwise, these kids are gonna grow up having to learn a really good argument of why things don't work as opposed to knowing how to tap the power of God to get it working in their life, right? When Jesus the Christ what come up out of that John's bat? Most of the church has been baptized under John's baptism. We've gotten ourselves baptized under repentance. We baptized under repentance, going, "Yes, I got all that off of me." We we baptized into death. I come on, I, I got all my sins are washed away. Thank God they're washed away. But are you baptized in the resurrection of the power of the cross? The cross doesn't stop at the death. The cross keeps going through the burial into the resurrection, unto the ascension, unto the seated place where the power of God is then descending on the earth in you and me on the day of Pentecost. Now, the Pentecostal church where I grew up in has made it all about the Pentecost. And you don't see any fruit from the Pentecost. Just because somebody does this speaking in tongues thing but don't have any power, nobody wants to hear you babble without any love. Right? It's got to come to the reality of this, what this thing's really about. So we've got to start seeing the power of God working in the life. Did you all just not witness the last week and a half? It's been going on for a couple of months now, 90 days, of this whole Supreme Court issue. Did you see all that? Did you see yesterday how it landed and how the fight and the tensions and the people were... Pe- it's wonderful that we have the freedom that we have in this country to be able to fall on whatever side that your political view falls on or whatever your heart desires it's great that we have that freedom of expression. Wouldn't you all agree with that? But what about the freedom of expression in religion where we have the ability to carry a Bible, preach the Bible, and live the Bible? But how foolish of us to carry the Bible and then preach the Bible as a moral tool but not a powerful tool. I've tried to teach Caden moral. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes he wants to not tell the truth on certain things. He's a kid, right? Other kids the same way. I coach football. We got him. I pastor a church. We got him. (laughs) Right? But here's the reality of this thing. There's got to be a power that has the power to change and transform a person's life as opposed to giving him three good solid steps to make good decisions. Where is the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the church? Where is the power? It's more than shaking. It's more than tongues or the lack of tongues. It's more of all than all that. It is a, a power that endues you from heaven that gives you the explosive energy of God working in your life. 
It is a presence that supersedes and shakes every presence around you. And when you got saved and born again, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives inside of you. It's in you. The power of God resides in every born again believer. You have to believe that. It's more than just a navigational tool or navigational, it's more than just a Siri. Siri? You know what I'm talking about? We do that, that's how the Holy Spirit is to us sometimes. Holy Spirit, give me the directions to so-and-so. Could you call so-and-so or text so-and-so? Holy Spirit, can you, are you kidding me? That's what we relegated the Holy Ghost to. To, to equivalent to Siri. Now we've got Alexa. What is it? Alexa, what's the other one? There's two of them. Alexa and what's the other one? Oh, y'all own some of them. Don't lie to me. Y'all have what, Alexa and Siri. That's right. Okay. But Alexa, you know, vacuum the floor. Right? So we're used to those. Those are what's. Do you not see that that's a, those, those, those types of things that are being developed? are bringing us to a place where we're trying to create a manufactured moment with not having the authentic moment that lives inside of each of us. Do you realize you have inside of you the same creative power that God created the entire universe with? When he said, let there be, that dwells in you. And I know some of you are sitting out there going, gosh, I don't know what to, I don't know how to get that. I don't know how. When you got him, you got that. I remember when I, I'm just going to tell the story. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was 1997 in February. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Okay? And I remember seeing works of, acts of flesh in the Pentecostal church and mask in as if it was the spirit. But even as a kid, I knew that that wasn't the spirit. Okay? I get saved. I get born again. I mean, I have a radical transformation encounter with God on January 1997. January 9th, 1997. I had this encounter with God. I said, God, if you'll take this mess, I'll give it to you. And went out and began to break all the relationships that I had in business and everything. And I completely cut off all those relationships. And I turned and faced whatever God had for me. As I began to walk this out, I knew I needed something more than just my sins off of me because I didn't trust myself to go out and make good decisions even if I got stuff off of I didn't need a second chance. I needed something inside of me that was going to guide me and direct me into my life. I wasn't trying just to get out of stuff. I was trying to get into some stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And I said to myself, I said, God, there's got to be more. So for two solid weeks, I would sit on the bathroom floor of my house in Ashland, Kentucky, I'd sit on the bathroom floor with the exhaust fan on and the, the lights out just in case if I spoke in tongues or something would happen that the exhaust fan might just drown it out so everybody in my house wouldn't think I was crazy. True. Two solid weeks. So I sit on the, the bathroom floor and I sit on the bathroom floor. I was exhausted with trying to, to get this whatever this was. I wanted more of God. I didn't know how to get more of God. I thought I had all of God, but I wanted to experience something I knew that I needed to get something more of God. God, are we okay? I mean, how's this going to work? So what happened was, for two solid weeks, I sit on that, that floor, and finally on the second week, on a Monday night, I sit down at 10.30 at night, and I was exhausted with it. And I said, I'm tired. I said, you said this was a gift. God, what do you think of that? I was worn out. I said, I'm, if I had to work for it, and I had the guy come to me and the preacher come to me one time, he goes, now this is my watch. It was a Rolex too. He goes, this is my watch. If I give you this watch, it's a gift. And if I try to take it back, it wouldn't be a gift, right? 
I said, yeah. He said, it's just an illustration. <laughs> he took his watch back. And I said, okay. So I was understanding how this kind of worked. So I'm sitting down there and I said, God, if you'll give this. And the Lord brought this, dropped this song on me. I think you sang it, Steph, last week. God is so good. And I just started singing, God is so good. God is so good. You've been so good to me. Before I got to the second verse, I just remember feeling something inside of me that I couldn't explain, and I just began to give voice to whatever I heard. And when I began to give voice to whatever I heard, I heard it come out. And I thought, and I heard in my ear this, this, this message that said, that's you, that's not God. And then I remembered that the devil is the father of all lies, so he must be confirming to me I'm getting something that he don't want me to get. So I said, thank you for that confirmation. And all of a sudden, something began to spring up inside of me, and I could feel it. And all of a sudden, this power of joy and feeling of euphoric feeling just become to take over my life at that moment for about a, an hour. And I began to, I was praying in a, a, an unknown language. I, I was feeling this this cleansing. I don't know what was all happening, but something was happening. I get up out of the floor. I go in and I call my mom and she was already in bed, but I left her message on the recorder. I said, hey, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. Left it on the recorder. Next day I got up and I opened up the scripture. And when I opened up the, the scripture, I recognized something had changed. I had been trying to look into the scripture to learn it. All of a sudden, I realized things that were coming off the page were coming to me, me not going after it. And I realized, I've got the Holy Spirit in me that's teaching me, and the Spirit of God began to show me things in that scripture that I had never witnessed before. I was attending a Baptist church at the time, great people, good friends of mine, still are to this day. And I went, and I sit on the Sunday service, and the pastor was out of town that week, and a guy got up and he preached, and now this was on a Monday night that happened to me. The following Sunday, I went to that church, and the church, and the, pa the preacher that was preaching that Sunday got up, and he preached against tongues. And I had just had an experience on Monday night. And I thought to myself, we've got a problem here. I have an experience and what he's saying, I can't argue with because he made a pretty compelling case in the scripture. But I had something happen to me that was a, far different than anything I'd ever experienced. And I said, I got a choice to make. So I looked at Lisa and I said, we got to go. I can't stay here. They're great people, but I got to go. So she stayed and I left. For real. She would attend the church and I would try to get her to go with me to different churches that were, I felt like they were spirit-filled, and I'd take her to a church, and one church I took her to, and the whole family too, they had lampshades on their head. Goofiness. I'm just, are we going to put this on TV? Good. For real. It was just craziness, okay? She had all this crazy goof. I said, can anybody be sensible that has the Holy Spirit? That's what my quest was. Can we just kind of have sensibility? With, would they have to be goofy? Do you have to have whistles and lampshades? I mean, can you just, and I'm not against lampshades or whistles if that's you, but just do it in your house. Don't do it in church, right? And then make sure you pull your curtains and shut your blinds, <laughs> right? I'm serious. It's just got really wacky and weird. And then I was just on this chase. I, know, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but it's part of the sermon. I was on this chase for all the word of God and all that God could show me. And I would, everywhere there was somebody preaching that I felt that had something that compelled me, I would drive, even if it was two hours away, I'd go. I had to have all of God had. I'd go by myself. I'd get up, I'd get out in the evening, I'd go, drive two and a half hours for a church. I went to a church service one night, a guy was preaching, a powerful, it was a powerful word, and I was sitting in the back and he came up to me, or one of the ushers sitting in the back, he was praying for people at the end. I thought, oh, here we go, you know? I've seen how this kind of works, but I'm not sure exactly what it, 
You know, I want to see some things take place. I'm not interested in just a form. I want to know. <clears throat> so I was sitting in the back, and he, had, he sent an usher to me, and the guy said, his name, he was a, this guy was a prophet, they called him, and he said, the usher said, he, uh, the prophet would like for you to come up. He would like to pray for you. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. Man, the service is almost over. I should have left five minutes ago. Now I'm here. Okay, how come? So I come up, and there was several people in line, and he was going down the line, and I did what I watched everybody else do. They got to that started down there. Everybody had their hands up, so I felt like I needed to have my hands up. And I got in the line, and you close your eyes until you know he's close. And then you look, and then when he gets real close, you really close your eyes and squint him. So here he's coming, he's coming. And I'm noticing about five or six people into this that they're all falling down and people are catching them. Okay? And I'm going, am I going to be the only one that doesn't fall down? Right? So he comes over here and he gets to me and it's my turn. And he says everything to me. He says, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Ashland, Kentucky. And he said, the Lord told me you're not from around here. And I thought, no, I just told you I wasn't from around here. <laughs> so we got off on the wrong foot right then. So I thought to myself, I thought, the next question he asked me, I'm going to tell him a lie and see if he can really tell me I'm lying. He didn't ask any more questions. He talked to me and he started you know, praying and all. And I realized that he was going to pray until I went down. So thinking about the five or six other people that went ahead of me, knowing that they survived the fall, I did what any red blood American man would do. I gave a courtesy drop because I needed him to move on past me. So I went like this and I waited for him to give a real strong inflection in his voice because it seemed like there'd be the right peak moment for that to happen. And he pushed, I withstood. He pushed, I withstood. He pushed, and I realized those five were already still laying there. And I put one foot back and I just yielded and fell down. They covered me up with a cloth. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I wasn't going to stay covered up with a cloth. So I start kicking this thing off of me. The other five people are still laying there. And I'm looking at them going, one of us has got to move first. And it's okay if it's me. I get up out of my chair, or I'm out of the floor. And the rest of these people are going, I go get my keys and my Bible, and I get in the car, and I'm driving two hours home. And I'm going, Lord, that is just crazy. That is just nuts. What in the world just took place? And the Spirit of God spoke to me for two hours. You see, it didn't have to be a 15-minute trip. It had to be two hours because I had a two-hour lecture all the way home. And the two hours was this. I use people. People are flawed and people are people. If you get your eyes on the people, you'll miss the power that flows through the pipe. Amen. Quit looking at the pipe and feel the power. And I started realizing, oh my God, because I must be a pipe too. And I've got my own tendencies and my own preferences and my own quirks. We all have them. But the reality of it is, God chose to put a power in these pipes. Right? You want God, you're not looking at the pipe or the filter. You want God. You want the power of God. It's going to come in all kinds of ways. It's going to come in ununiformed ways. It's going to come in ways that's going to blow your mind. And, but if you've got this idea of how it will come, this is what the Lord spoke to me and told me. They thought I was coming in on a big white horse or a big chariot, but I came in on a donkey, and they missed me. If you're looking for something that you've already got predetermined in your mind, you'll miss God, me coming in the vehicle that in which I choose to come. I might come in a baby. I might come in a big kid. I might come in a, a heathen. I might come in as the worst person in the world, but you better have your antenna up, your ears up to hear the power of the Spirit working through all people because I'll come through everybody. You honor everybody. If you're looking for me, you'll find me. If you're looking for people, you'll find people. Don't get your eyes on people. Get your eyes on me. 
If you get your eyes on me, you'll love people in the state that they're in rather than try to fix them thinking they have to be more worthy to carry me. I put me in everybody. I put me in the least likely. And the Lord told me to tell you today, there is a baptism in the spirit that's coming that is here, that has been released into the earth, into your life, but it is in a form that you will not recognize. What is that baptism of the Spirit? What is that evidence of an unknown tongue? What is that? When the children of Israel were coming through and they had just come through the water baptism and they were between the Red Sea and the Jordan River, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. God had them set up a template and a tabernacle that they would journey as they were headed towards the land of promise. God created and pointed out a high priest. And when he pointed out a high priest, the high priest's role was to do a couple of things. The high priest was going to be the representation to God on behalf of a whole nation of Israel, right? So as the high priest would come and inspect the lamb, the children of Israel would bring a lamb and the high priest would inspect the lamb. When the high priest would inspect the lamb, he never looked at the man, he looked at the lamb. He said, this is the lamb. If the lamb met the qualifications of the sacrifice, the man, and his home was free to go. So every year on Passover, Israel would come and present a lamb for the entire nation. And when they would prepare a lamb, the high priest would inspect the lamb. When he inspected the lamb, if it met the qualifications, they would kill the lamb, he would take the blood, and the blood was placed on hyssop branches. The blood from that lamb, that innocent lamb, the high priest then would tie a, a rope of palm granites and bells around his ankle. And he would begin his journey into the place where God's presence was, and he would take the lamb, the blood of the lamb, and he would begin to sprinkle the blood on the inner court all the way till he got to the place of this big veil that was from top to bottom, that inside the veil, the only the, holy, the, holy, uh, the high priest could go with the blood of that lamb. No man could go but the high priest. The high priest had to even be in the right garb. He had to have the right uniform on, right? He had to have his breastplate. He had an ephod. He had to have the right uniform to go in. So he would go behind here, and all the people, that rope would go all the way out to the outer court, and as he took the blood inside the Holy of Holies, over the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat of God, he would sprinkle that blood on that mercy seat, and when he would put that blood on that mercy seat, listen to me, put that blood on that mercy seat, the presence of God would just envelop that mercy seat, and the, the, the high priest would begin to shake and couldn't hardly stand in the presence of God. When the bell and the pomegranates began to ring, everybody out here would know, yes, we hear the sound of that bell, and that sound of that bell ricocheted all the way out to the outer court to all the public, and the public would then begin to say, God has accepted our sacrifice. Then they would know that there was peace between God and Israel for one more year. Now think about it. The high priest killed the lamb, take the blood of the lamb. The lamb had to qualify for the spotless lamb. Had to be a male, had to be spotless. He would take the blood, sprinkle it on the gold candlestick on the showbread, and he would walk up to this veil. And I'm sure he'd take a deep breath and a gulp and say, here we go. He would go behind the veil. Nobody could go with him. The rope went all the way out to the public. 
He would sprinkle the blood and put the blood on the mercy seat. If the presence of God would show up and be so heavy, the priest would have to, she would begin to shake. The people would hear the sound of the pomegranate and the bell all the way out into the public and they would go, yes, and, and, and Jubilee would ra- erupt out here in the streets because they didn't go back behind the veil. But what they heard was the sound of this bell ringing and the, when they heard the sound, they would say, he's accepted the sacrifice. They would begin to sing and worship. They would begin to, to, to throw parties and, 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 and all kinds of things because it, it, it meant that God himself accepted the blood off of that lamb for one more year. These people couldn't go behind the veil, but they listened for the, the sound. Jesus was up on the cross. And as he got up on the cross, he takes, he's the lamb of God, right? Caiaphas was the high priest that inspected him and said, I don't find anything wrong with him, but they said, go ahead and crucify him. Caiaphas declared his innocence, his purity. He met the qualifications because the high priest was Caiaphas, gave the permission for Jesus to go through in reality what the, the tabernacle was doing in a template and a protocol and a form. So Jesus dies. The blood is shed. He goes into the grave. He resurrects after three days. For 40 days, he walks around and shows himself to the disciples and the people in infallible proofs. Not only was he the lamb, he now is becoming the high priest. Now watch this. So Jesus looks at the disciples and says, listen, where I go, you can't go. I'm going, remember when the woman tried to touch her? He said, don't touch me yet. I have not ascended to the Father. Don't touch me. You can't touch me. Why can't you touch me? Because you'll, you will cause me to be humanized, and I have not yet taken the purity of this blood and applied it to the Ark of the Covenant in eternity in heaven. Jesus tells them, listen, where I go, you can't go, but I want you to do this for me. I need you to go to Jerusalem, and I need you to wait For the power that comes from on high. I need you to listen for the sound. I don't have a rope and I don't have a bell, but I need you to listen for the sound. So the disciples go up in the upper room and they're waiting and they're waiting. They're like the people out in public out here. Jesus goes to splits heaven. He takes the blood of himself, applies it to the mercy seat. On the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come. Are you following me? Are you sure? The high priest, Jesus Christ himself, takes his own blood of the lamb, splits heaven veil, goes into the holy of holies in heaven, applies his blood to the mercy seat in heaven, and heaven and earth were synchronized. When heaven and earth came in agreement, all of heaven and all of earth were redeemed. How do we know that? Because he told them, wait in the upper room for the sound. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all up there in one accord and one mind. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. A sound. It filled the whole house. So much so that they began to speak in a language they did not know of. They began to sing and preach and speak Exhort and the power of the Holy Spirit filled the room. It filled them and the room and the house. All of the people that were outside the house were going, what in the world is this about? Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk as you suppose. What he said was this, 
you men, you foolish men, why is it that you can believe that a man can kill an animal, take the blood, put it in the mercy seat of God on the earth, and then you guys are okay that the sins of mankind are push again, push ahead for one year like Israel? He said, why can't you believe that this Lamb of God, this high priest, goes into heaven's portals, takes the blood of a pure lamb, puts it on the seat of the mercy seat, God accepts the sacrifice, and we don't have to push our sins ahead year to year. They're gone forever. The old way covered your sins. If they're covered, they're still down there. It just depends how deep deep you dig. But if you wash your sins, they're to be remembered no more. So the sound that came on the day of Pentecost wasn't for a bunch of high ranking, haughty, elite, Pentecostal people to speak in tongues. It was a sound that came from heaven that gave the witness that God had accepted the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus that was placed in heaven. And now every time you speak in an unknown tongue, every time you hear somebody being filled with the spirit, it's not that they have this supernatural peace. It's a mean they have the witness on the inside of them that says there's peace between me and God. God didn't do it just for Israel. He did it for all mankind. The lamb that was an animal did it for Israel. The lamb that was Jesus did it for everybody. So the real issue and the real point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for it to be a witness unto him that there is peace between God and man. All men, not some men, not men that qualify, not Pentecostal people or not just Baptist people, not just Seventh-day Adventists or Mormons, all men. That means sinners and saints alike. God has peace between him and man. The question is, will man accept God's peace towards them? Your message now isn't to get men to repent and, 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 and get away their sins. Their, the message of the gospel is not, will you accept Jesus? The message of the gospel is, Jesus accepted you, will you believe that? And if you incorporate that into your belief system, you will need a witness that will remind you that there is something inside of you that's greater than the outside of you. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. There is the gift of the Spirit and there's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is for you to live out. The gifts of the Spirit are for other people. One is for you to bear. The other one is for you to serve. There's nine gifts. There's nine fruit. It's all by the same Spirit. But if you think that the Holy Spirit is only for fruit and only for gifts and you forget it's for the witness to let you know you have peace between you and God. God is not mad at you. He's not mad at them. You might be mad at them at Speedway, but he's not mad at them at Speedway. There might be five prostitutes walking down Madison Avenue, but God has peace with them. They don't know it. They're on the outside of the camp, but haven't yet heard the sound. That's why Jesus said, Peter cuts off an ear. You don't know what manner of spirit you are of, guys. He puts the ear back on. John wants to call fire from heaven. John's the, God, the, the one of love. You don't know what manner of spirit you have. Kill every last one of them. That's what Moses said. That's what I would have said. They're your people, God. God loves people. He's passionate about people. Even if they did you wrong, he's still passionate about them. That don't mean you don't have to fellowship with them, but you better not ignore them like they're a plague because if his blood was good enough for you, it's good enough for them. Well, unless we categorize sin and yours is a four and theirs is a 10, four or five, and that's subjective. 
Because if I asked your wife or your husband, they'd probably say, that's a 10, <laughs> right? But when we all ask ourselves, we're always the one or two. It wasn't that bad, right? You can't categorize sin. Sin is sin, right? But I promise you, preaching against sin doesn't make a person holy. I've done it. I preached a guy to hell one day. Years ago, I preached him to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to burn. You know how hot it is there? I preached him to hell. Then I realized he said, okay. And I'm going, I don't know how to get you out of hell. I know how to keep you there, but I don't know how to get you out. Then I realized the message of the gospel is good news. So I changed my approach a little bit. And I started smiling when I preached them to hell, thinking that was a, made it even better. No, come out of hell. You're living it anywhere. I love these parts in the service. When you are wondering what I'm going to do, and I have no idea. Y'all feel what I'm feeling though? Yeah. Oh, this is, this is what the world is looking for. We keep thinking the world has to change when the church better get filled with the power to be able yeah. to change the world. Yeah. But it's not going to be like we thought before. It's not going to be goosebumps. It's beyond all that. If we relegate it into that, then we've got a frame of reference for it in 20 or 30 years ago. And I know a guy, you guys probably know the story. I know a guy that, heard of a guy, read about him. He prayed for a guy that had a real bad stomach issue. He had like a big tumor on his stomach. And he came to the altar and he got ready to get prayed for. And the guy said, what's wrong? He goes, I've got this major, major pain in my gut. He said, I've got a tumor in there. And the preacher looks at him and he looks at the guys beside him. And he reaches back and he just hauls off and punches him right in the stomach. Right? And he walked on. The guy just doubles over and he gets up and the man got healed. Right? So another guy comes by and the preacher saw that happen. He gets back to the church, his church, and he's pastoring a church. And the guy comes up and he goes, man, I've got this real bad ulcer. And the man went, whoa, I know how this works. Boom. Man didn't get healed. In fact, he got in a fist fight. Right? Form. See what I'm talking about? Copy. Form. No power. You better, be, you better initiate from here. Right? Today, if God told a pastor or a preacher or one of you to hit somebody in the gut because they got a tumor, you'd have to have them sign at least two indemnification agreements, one hold harmless, right, and then have two witnesses standing by just in case something else bad happened, right? Am I telling the truth? So rather than do all of that, we just preach about the Holy Spirit than rather than demonstrate the Holy Spirit. Who's got a stomach problem this morning? Here we go. Boy, I feel good today. I really do. Those baptisms, man, a little braily. She can't grow up being a, an arguer for the Holy Spirit. And then someone will ask her to, well, you got the goods? Yeah, let me show you in the Bible. Well, that's one thing. What's she going to do when she walks in high school? There's a kid sitting right there that needs prayer, tormented. And she walks in and brings peace. 
She's got to know she has it. Our kids need to know they have it. Our adults need to know they have it. In the book of Acts, the disciples turned the world upside down. And we've used the Holy Spirit to pay for an electric bill. Siri? Alexa? Oh. God's up there going, let me at him. Y'all knew me as the lamb of God. Oh, but I'm going to reveal myself as the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know him as the lamb. Do you know him as the lion? The church is fixing to get real. Yeah. Amen. I'm not talking about just our church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. When you got people screaming outside the Supreme Court, when you've got such a contested battle for what some believe is right and some believe is wrong, if you think for one minute that that isn't the highest level of religious fighting in the system today, you're wrong. They're contending. The spirits are contending for this nation. They're contending. I'm not sure where you fall. I'm not even here to tell you where to fall. I'm just telling you, you better get somewhere. Amen. Right? And it's not a matter of what you're willing to protest. What you got to show. I had just preached, and you guys have heard me say this before, but I'm going to close with this. I had just preached in Uganda since Candy's taking an entire team next year to Kenya. I just preached in Uganda a few years back, five, six years back. You guys have heard me talk about this before, but it's worth saying again. And I'd preached thousands and thousands of people there. And I'd preached a really solid altar call message, and I made an altar call at the end, and there were hundreds of people at the altar. I remember one guy walking up to the altar, running to the altar. He was one of the first ones up there. He had a white shirt on it hung down to his knees, a guy, middle-aged, but he had this huge growth on the side of his neck. And the, on the side of his neck was there, and I saw it, and all these ministers were praying for these people. They were all repenting and screaming, crying. God had just radically saved hundreds and hundreds of people in Africa, and I was excited. The challenge was I was leaving after that service, and I had an hour and a half drive to the airport and had a 24 or 25 hour flight home. And if I'd have missed that flight, I'd have had to stay two more days. I'd been there a week and a half. I wasn't missing that flight. I was ready to go. Had a guy with me that was helping me minister and I was getting ready to leave and they were throwing my luggage in this big old, this van and Jeep thing and I was ready to, to head out and they were rushing me. You gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. You're gonna miss your flight. You got an hour and a half drive to get there. You're gonna miss your flight. And all of a sudden I look over and this guy, this woman, had come up to me and brought the guy that had the long white shirt that had the big growth on the side of his throat. And I looked at him for a minute and I went, oh, and she said, please pray for my husband. Please pray for my husband. And I thought, oh, okay, I gotta go because if I don't leave, I'm not gonna get home for about three or four more days. And I, I love you all, but I wanna go home. So he's standing there and I said this big, and the guy just got saved. And I, and I got ready to leave and I put my left hand on his side of his neck and I put my hand there and I said in the name of Jesus tumor leave and as I have my hand on the side of this guy's neck and on this tumor I come to my thoughts I come to myself and I thought dear God you've got your hand on the side of this guy's neck and it's a tumor and you don't know if it's contagious you don't know if it's bleeding oozing you don't know what he's got and I'm going Jesus. And I thought to myself, if I pull my hand away, it's going to be awful. awful. I'm going to make a scene and to disrespect. So I'm handing my hand on here. And this is all going through my head as I'm praying for this guy. And I'm giving him a token prayer. And I'm, Father, in the name of Jesus, tumor leave. And I just preached for a week about having the authority of the power of the Spirit and getting these people to believe a message I wasn't willing to demonstrate because I was done. And I wasn't quite sure if God was going to heal him or not. So I put my hand in there and I went through this thought. And next thing I know, I heard the Lord say to me, you've been preaching all week to these people. Tell that tumor to go. So I said, tumor, in the name of Jesus, 
I command you to leave. And I heard the Lord say this to me. Are you going to sell it? Try to talk an end to going? Give it the features and benefits. Yeah. Why don't you just, would you just please leave? Please. All this is going through my head. And the Lord says, that's weak. That's not authority. All the same time now, these guys are pulling on me to go. And I've got a guy standing right behind me here that I took over there with me to minister. And finally, the third thought through my mind said, you're just, you're, you're, you're just trying to talk that tumor into leaving. Tell that tumor to leave that man's body. And I said, in the name of Jesus, tumor, I'm telling you right now. And I started bypassing that man and looking straight for that tumor. And I said, tumor, I said, go in Jesus' name now. And all of a sudden, that tumor started moving just a little bit. And it scared me. I went, oh, God. And then the guy behind me, I said, I said, it's moving. He said, I know we're praying. And I'm going, yeah, 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 we're praying. We're praying. This is absolute God's honest truth. I said, I said, tumor in the name of Jesus, leave. And that tumor starts moving down his neck. And I said, it's, it's moving. He said, we're praying. I know. I kept my hand right on there. And finally I realized it's shrinking. And I said, tumor, leave. And I'm not kidding you, that tumor went right down here and the next thing you know, it's gone. He starts moving his head, he's moving his mouth, he's jumping up and down, his wife is screaming, and I'm standing there going, yes, this is powerful. And I'm, I, there's nothing magic, nothing, nothing. All I know is I did what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to do. But I went through that whole process and it was gone. Now, as soon as I get ready to leave, there's the rush in me. A young lady that looks like she's in her early 20s runs up to me and she's pointing at her stomach as if it was on fire. And all these people are gathered around and I said, what's wrong? And so they said, she's got a really bad stomach situation and it's just like fire on the inside of her body. And she's screaming, jumping up and down. And finally, I looked at her and I put my finger, just touched my finger on, the, on her stomach. I went, stomach, peace. All of a sudden, peace just hit her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. She's gone. They rushed me into the car. I'm driving home. We're arriving an hour and a half to the airport. And I'm, I can't even believe what just took place. I'd like to tell you that I had a big man of faith and, yeah, had the right olive oil or anointing oil. No, 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 no. It wasn't any of that. It was God. It was all God. God needed a willing person they had the faith more than I had the faith because they had just heard the message of the gospel that I preached and I really wasn't sure I was actually believing. I knew God could, but they knew God would. I get in the car and we're driving back. About 10 minutes into the ride, I realize I need some hand wipes and some, oh, some hand wash. Nobody had any. So for an hour and a half, listen to this. I'm sitting with my hand held out. I call home and I tell them, I said, man, you guys, you're not going to believe what just took place. And they said, we can't wait to tell everybody what God did. I hung up. God called and told me to call them back and tell them, don't tell them anything. Don't tell them anything. Don't tell them anything. If you tell them, you'll be full of yourself. Don't tell them. Can you hold the power of God without making it about you and letting it all be about him? Would you stand with me? We have one more baptism, right? Come on up if, you're, if you guys are ready for it, if he's here. I told you that story to tell you that God is real. And he's not looking for some supernatural boldness of a human being. He's just looking for a willing guy and a willing lady that'll do what he said he would do. He just needs some pipe, no matter how sometimes filtered and flawed that pipe is, to let the power of God flow through him. And this is Jose.
Now, Hosea is going to be buried not under John's baptism, but into Jesus' baptism. His sins will be washed away. He'll be dead into Christ. When he comes back up, he is in the newness and the resurrection of Christ. Now that was more than an outward appearance of something that happened on the inside. Okay? It was just more. It's not just a token and it's not just a symbol. Isn't God good? Isn't he good? Now listen to me, guys. There are several of you in here that have not yet been baptized or haven't wanted to be baptized or need to be baptized. We're going to do this again in a couple of weeks. If somebody wants to be baptized after service today, full clothed or however you want to do it, we'll do it today if you can't wait. But if you want to wait, we're going to do it again in a few weeks, and then we'll do another round of baptisms. All right? Here's why. We need to get water baptized so we can get baptized in him, right, into the spirit. The church is going to go through a major transformation in the whole body of Christ. I'm talking about across the whole country. You're going to see it happen. There's going to be a maturity grow up in the Lord that we've never experienced before. And you're going to see the fullness of God and everything that Jesus died for, ye will be able to see and get his reward that he's paid the price to have. Father, in Jesus' name, I release a power and an authority on this body of believers as they walk out here today. Let there be a, a remembrance and a moment as they have a boldness and a courage to recognize this is not about just might and not just about power. It's about by the spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you all.